0: A good day and welcome to the Ombra Gaming Podcast episode 27. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with two of the most artistic, creative, and loving gentlemen that I've ever recorded a video games podcast with. Matt and Steve, how are you?
1: I I gotta tell you, no one has ever called me artistic, so thank you. I think you're artistic. Have you seen my drawings? They're not good. I'm not a, I'm not a very good Pictionary player.
2: There's multiple definitions of artistic though.
0: Yeah, I think you're an artist at heart. Oh. <laughs> uh Matt, how are you doing? I'm
2: good. It is uh as opposed to last week, it is 90 degrees here in New York. It is so hot. You could cook an egg on the sidewalk, and I did. And now I feel sick. And my couch is come, I got c- I got a new couch and it's coming tomorrow. Nice.
1: Yes. How big's the couch?
2: Uh, you know, three seater. Okay. It's
0: got a V6 in it.
1: That sounds a little ridiculous <laughs> for a couch, but go on. Also, a V6
0: isn't even like the most powerful engine. It's like mid-range. He wants
1: he wants like a good ride, but he wants it to also be economical. <laughs> it's the 95
0: Corolla of couches. <laughs>
1: oh, all right. So reliability he's got a reliable
2: it's very good reliable. Couch. Yeah
0: you can take the kids to school. It mm-hmm. sounds
1: like you got a couch that your guests would be like, oh, you still got one of these?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing well. I'm excited for your couch. Thanks. And I'm also excited for this episode because we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, just like we always do. We're going to kick it off with a little session of Get to Know a Gamer, which we haven't played in forever. No, there's been no holidays. That's true. That's true. We kind of It's a uh,
2: holiday-themed
0: game. Yeah, we kind of did assign it to... It was like a holiday exclusive game, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're playing it again. I'm excited for whoever our show host is going to be, because who knows? Uh, And then after that, we're going to move on to the topic of the pod, which is early access games. Um, So we'll be having sort of an informal discussion about early access games, about how they should be reviewed, if they should be reviewed, how they should sort of be treated in the ecosystem of games by games journalists, consumers, uh, you know, television personalities in the gaming world. Uh, and all those fun things and we'll be talking about some notable examples Uh, and then we have patch notes just like we always do and we're going to round it off with some community stuff including a voicemail which we haven't done in a handful of weeks so i'm excited to get a voicemail back on the podcast but before we get to any of that i think it's time to keep the house first up on housekeeping please follow us on social media we are at ombra underscore gaming on twitter and at ombra gaming on instagram if you like pictures And if you like tweets, follow us there uh, and change your passwords because you've been hacked. (laughs) Uh, Similarly, we have a Discord that you can join and hang out with us in. We have a wonderful group of people that you can chat with about video games, movies, food, all the things that you love. Our community loves to talk about it too. What a coincidence. You should join us and hang out. You can find the invite link to that Discord on our Twitter bio. So check us out there and join in some of the fun. Next up on housekeeping, if you wanted to share your thoughts about the podcast, about an article, about anything else related to video games, give us a call. Uh, we have a phone number that you can reach us at and leave us a voicemail, and that number is 347-509-5620. So give us a call. We would love to hear from you, unless you're racist. Next up on housekeeping, this is sort of a unique one, and uh, I-, I want to clarify something I said on the last episode. Why? Because I was, I was re-listening to episode 26. And I realized that I was talking about Far Cry 3 and I was talking about relationships in games. And uh, I said something to the tune of Far Cry 3 isn't the first, but it's one of the first that uses relationships to further the story and further the game. Obviously, I know that it's not one of the first games to <laughs> deal with relationships. What I should have said is it is one of the first that I experience that does that um, in, a, in a meaningful way. So, uh, yeah, I was talking to Reese and uh well he texted me and he was like dude far cry 3 was one of the first games to further the plot and story using relationships and i was like oh shit i said that didn't i so i just want to clarify that uh that's not what i meant now that that's behind us last up on housekeeping as always this episode is brought to you by insert coin clothing if you want to look good and game great head on over to InsertCoinClothing.com, where you can buy all sorts of rad gamer clothes, including PlayStation shirts, socks, and hoodies. And if you wanted to get an exclusive 15% off deal on that rad gamer shirt you just put in your back at insertcoinclothing.com, well do I have a hot tip for you. Use the code Ombra18IC for 15% off. And that code does not apply to items that are already on sale or burritos. So now that the house is nice and clean, let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, behind this curtain is our next Get to Know a Gamer show host. So let's get it going. Everyone's favorite game show, G2CAG. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Get to Know a Gamer,
2: also known as G2CAG. I'm your host, Matt Pat, back again. This is the game show in which I ask in-depth questions to our panel of contestants so that you, our listeners at home, can learn more about each person. Today's our Cinco de Mayo-themed session, and we have two guests, so let's get to know a gamer. Now, remember, folks, Cinco de Mayo is, in fact, not Mexican Independence Day. It is a celebration of the defeat of the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla in 1862, so please educate yourselves and don't be racist.
0: (laughs) As always. It's good to have you back, Matt Pat. Yeah, thank you. I am so like, glad to be here. The
1: last time we saw you is what episode two, three? It's episode three? Probably
0: it's back in while. October. <laughs> you you look tan. You looks like you you look well traveled. It's good to have you here. Thank you, thank you.
2: All right, our first round is a game I like to call Papa Pinata. In this game, each contestant will be given a one word clue and have to guess the game that is associated with that clue. If they get it wrong, then they will receive another word to help them come up with the name of the game. None of the words used will be the genre of the game, the names of characters, or the company that made the game. All right, Manny, your first word is
0: moon. I'm not allowed to ask questions, right? Mm-mm. Okay, moon. Uh, destiny, two. That's incorrect. All right, okay. Steven.
2: Your first word is moon.
0: <laughs> it is the same word, but they're two different. They're games. two different.
1: That's absurd. This game
0: is insane. What if I guessed his game the first time around? It wouldn't have counted.
1: Yeah, I'm going to guess Destiny 2.
2: No. Uh, <laughs> Manny, your
0: second word is... You say moon. Pipe. Um. So you have moon and pipe. So, And this word connects with the first... Yes, game. The same game. uh, Yeah, yep. It adds on. Um, I'm gonna guess. um, What's that game that you can like uh, pick up a pipe on the moon? (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: a good question. I don't know. FTL. No. I actually know what his is. Yeah, figured his. That's why
2: I gave him that one because I knew you'd figure it out. Uh, All right. You guys are dicks. (laughs) Stephen, your second word is teleportation. Moon and teleportation.
1: Is it Mass Effect 3? No. <laughs> All right. Manny,
0: your
2: third word is mushroom.
0: Oh, uh, Super Mario Odyssey.
1: Yes. Doot, doot, doot.
0: All right, Steven,
2: you God have to get it. this. I would have
1: got his.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Your
2: third word is robot.
1: Is it Halo? No.
2: <laughs> it was Portal. Oh, or I was going to guess that.
1: See, I don't associate moon with portal. I associate being trapped in a fucking room.
2: <laughs> the moon is an integral part of the second
0: game. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: that right. was hard, so we're going to move on to the next game. Uh, so, Manny, you've won the Papa Pinata round. All right. And so you've earned six pieces of candy. Nice. Alrighty, our second and final round of our Cinco de Mayo special is a game I like to call Yucatan Toucan. where you have to tell me if the word I'm giving you is a location in the Yucatan or the name of a type of toucan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm so down for this. All right. The first word is choco. You both Uh, give me an answer. Is that a toucan or a
0: place in the Yucatan?
1: I think it's a place in the Yucatan.
0: I also think it's a place in the Yucatan. Choco. It's a type of toucan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to be good at this game. We're not.
0: Because in my head, I'm like, Choco toucan? That sounds absurd. (laughs) Is it it made of chocolate? What's happening? (laughs) All right. The
2: the second one is Sotuta. (laughs) I'm going to say it's a place in the
0: Yucatan.
1: I'm going to as well, because I feel like you wouldn't do two toucans in a row.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you actually repeat it? Sotuta. Sotuta Tucan. Yeah, it's a place in the Yucatan.
2: You are both correct. It is a place <laughs> hey. in the Yucatan. All right, number three is Peto.
1: I'm going to go with uh, Yucatan.
2: I'm going to go with Tucan.
1: Stephen, you're right. Oh, hey, no.
2: Place in the Yucatan. All right, and our next one is Toco. I think I got to go. I'm going to go Tucan.
1: I think I kind of have to go toucan on that as well.
2: You're both right. It is a type
1: of toucan. Togo the toucan sounds really good.
2: (laughs) All right. Since we have a tiebreaker, I'm getting a few questions from the judges. Whoever rings in first gets to answer. Here is the first question What are the three colors of the Mexican flag? Ring. Red,
1: yellow. No, red, white, and green. Steven, you
2: didn't ring in, Manny. Red, white, and green. Those are correct. Ring. That means that, Manny, you're our Cinco de Mayo winner, and you shall be crowned Cinco King. Thank you so much for watching Get to Know a Gamer. Tune in next time, and always remember to spay or neuter your pets. I'm Matt Pat signing off.
0: Have a good night. Well, that was fun. It was great to have Matt Pat back on the show. I wish him well, and I hope we see him again. As always, thank you to our generous cast of game show hosts. We always appreciate the work they do and how well prepared they are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so with that, let's move on to the topic of the pod which as I stated at the top of the show, early access games. So I feel like we this is something that we've talked about sort of tangentially on the podcast. We talk about it in Discord a lot and just in general sort of conversations about video games. But early access games are interesting, particularly how they're reviewed by game journalists or publications how much they cost, what kind of mechanisms are in the game itself to keep people engaged and playing, um, like what what the roadmap looks like. And I think, at least for me, is one of the most surprising things, how early access games can be nominated and, and actually win awards. So, yeah, this is kind of just going to be an informal discussion. Um, we have a couple examples that we're going to talk about. But, yeah, we'll just kind of keep the flow going as we start talking. So I guess I think I want to start with reviews and sort of talk about what our observations are there because we see reviews for early access games in almost every publication. And I think there's like different ways to frame it. But what do you guys think uh, in terms of, well, l- let me pose a question then. Should early access games be reviewed at all?
1: It's not so much that I think they should be labeled as reviewed. I think it should be more like first impressions or a preview article, but I do think there needs to be reporting on it my thing with the whole reviews is it's really tough to say you've reviewed it because it's not a done it's not a finished game it's still it, it is what it is it's early access so there's still a lot to be done so it's tough to really render a, a final verdict on something that's an incomplete product i think
2: before you continue i just want to interject we're talking about official game reviews right from like right. journalists yeah. okay yeah yeah when they
1: yep. you know they they slap the the grade on it at the end uh, right. whether it be a point scale or whatever I, I think they do it, obviously, for the same reason that anybody creates a witty title. They're trying to get clicks, they're trying to get views, and reviews will get more hits than a first impressions piece or a preview would. Because, by nature, we associate the word review with an in-depth analysis of this game. Whereas a first impression or a preview, we automatically just think, oh, this is just going to be like a quick little blurb about it. There's not going to be a lot of detail. So when you slap the word review on it, you automatically get the people's minds going thinking, all right, I'm going to get a lot out of this article. And that, honestly, that's just the way we're all wired at this point because we've just come to know that word in association with game articles. But I, I don't think it's fair to say that you're reviewing a game that's not finished. So I think a more appropriate title would be, you know, a first impression or a preview. But all the same, I still think the same content that you would put in a review, you should put in those first impressions and preview articles for early access games.
0: Yeah, I think, and it, it's like an interesting thing because I think there's like different labels that are, are there, there are so many different labels that are already being used sort of in the world of reviews. There's like review in progress mm-hmm. um, and there's just like the standard review. And I, I don't know, I think review in progress, I think is a better like umbrella to put early access games under because it indicates exactly what the title would suggest which is it's in progress the game's not finished therefore our review's not finished but it's interesting that early access games have become such a part of what we expect at this point like we just expect early access games to be released and we expect to pay for them and we expect ideally for these games to continue to be worked on but i mean the same could also be said for games that have expansions that come out right Like if a game, if if we know, for example, Destiny 2 has an expansion coming out, can we look at the base game the same way we look at early access games?
1: I'd love to know Matt's idea on this.
0: Yeah, as a resident Destiny 2 reviewer.
2: I don't know. That's an interesting question. I guess I would look to like World of Warcraft, which like has a base game that has a certain set of reviews, but then every expansion that has come out has also had a certain set of reviews for that expansion, you know? Like, someone purchasing the game right now wouldn't go back to the review of the original game because it's so
0: different now. But do the expansions stand alone? Like, do they Do they have different mechanics, different systems? Like, do they stand... Not completely
2: buttons? different. Like, it's all based around the same thing. But, like, yeah. Legion was widely regarded as, like, one of the best expansions since the first expansion, Burning Crusade. Okay. And, like... They do all those deals and things where you could buy Legion at basically base price, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Another question I have for you is because you've said in the past where you believe that Curse of, Curse of Osiris was completed by the time that the game was like released. So in that aspect, do you feel that the initial release of Destiny 2 was almost like an early access because they had this other piece that was ready to go and then they charged more for it.
2: Even with Curse of Osiris, the game fucking sucks.
1: Because, <laughs> like, yeah, technically it wasn't... I mean, I'm not saying Destiny 2 was early access by any means, but I'm saying, like, technically you can kind of make the argument where if you believe they had this DLC that was ready to go when the game was released, but then they waited, you know, was it three or four months after the fact, and then they charged, was it 30 bucks? Something like that? 15, 20? Oh, I, I have 20, to go back. 20,
2: yeah, 20. So, yeah,
1: they charge an additional 20 bucks to everybody to play it when it just was a very obvious continuation of what everybody played. There was nothing new to it and it wasn't really that in-depth of a story.
2: (laughs) Well, I think the more interesting question that comes out of that is what would have happened if they released Destiny 2 as early access and then said, oh, we're going to add all this content as we move forward and our full release is going to be in May when we release, you know, part two of whatever.
1: As long as they didn't charge 60 bucks at the time of the initial early access release, then I'm sure it would have been better received. Which
0: is interesting, right? Well, I mean, but that begs the question, like what is the definition of an early access game? Is it by definition a game that's in continuation in terms of its development? Because if that's the case, a lot of games could be considered early access. Is it a game that is being sold for less than the $60 sort of standard sticker price for a new video game? And also being, is it—is it the combination of a lower sticker price and continuation of development? Yeah. Like, I, I guess what makes a game early access?
2: Well, that's why I think PUBG is such an interesting one to look at because it's the sixth top selling game in the world right now. Right. And how much is it going? How much is it going for? I bought it months ago. And I thirty, remember. thirty dollars.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: And that's and and so it came out in March of 2017 as like part of Steam's early access beta program, and then their quote unquote full release was mid December. And if a game is becoming that popular, right, where it's the sixth highest selling game in the world, like, what do you do as a As a game review company, are you not... You're not going to review the sixth most highest selling game in
0: the world, you know? No, yeah, you definitely have to. Yeah, I mean, you can't just sort of ignore it, right? Like, yeah, it kind of has to be addressed. I I, I don't know if, like, reviewing it, calling it a review of a game is the best approach.
1: What if they did what you said at the beginning? At the initial early access, they label it as review in progress. And then in December, when it goes to its, you know, quote unquote, official full release... They update it and give it their final review.
0: I think that's a better. I think that's a much better approach. But then it's like, oh well, if they're going to continue adding features and adding mechanics and adding modes or adding maps or whatever, like for example, take God of War, right? Like Corey Barlog has said a handful of times, we're not going to do DLC because he feels like there's something impactful and magical about having a complete game on a disc or on a digital download, right? So like that, for me, in my mind, like that's a complete game. That's a game you can review because it's done. And the prefix re means to, like, look back or to do it again, right? To look at it again after it's done. So, like, that would indicate to me that, like, reviews should be solely reserved for games that are done. Now, obviously, like, that's not the case. I mean, like, every game, not every game, but a lot of games are falling into the games-as-a-service category, right? You look at Overwatch with all the events that they have. You look at Ubisoft wanting the world's longest tail on every single one of their releases. Um, I mean, like f- for honor is getting a free weekend this weekend. Right. And so like, they're trying to keep that. They're trying to keep players invested and in having new players come into that. Right. And and that game has changed a ton in the last year and a half. Um, and so we're looking that's at been all these, out for a year and a half. Like it's been out longer. I, th- wow, I think they hit crazy. a year, a couple, a handful of months ago. I'm so old. So like you look at the category of games as a service and it, it sounds cliche, but it's like, are games ever complete? In most cases, no. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, if a game's never complete and the development cycle's ongoing, when can we pause and review? Which is, I don't know, interesting. Maybe it's when the developers say, this is the base game, and that's all you're going to get for the next six months or something.
1: Yeah, because that it, it's kind of a slippery slope because, like you said, there's so many games now that have DLCs. Like, for instance, I mean, Far Cry, they have DLCs planned over the course of the year. But you wouldn't incorporate those in your review of it because really what you're looking for in a game like Far Cry is, all right, what's the main campaign like? What's the co-op like? And let me try out the arcade mode. And you really don't care about the DLCs that they've announced because they're not a part of that core game. Right.
0: But it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned Far Cry, right? Like that game has a conclusive story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That has a conclusive Mm -hmm. campaign. Mm -hmm. You hit all the regions. You deal with Faith, John, and Jacob and Jingleheimer Schmidt, <laughs> and that's the end of the story, <laughs> yeah. right? So, like, yeah. I think those kinds of games lend themselves to having a moment where you can pause and review, where you can, you say, you know, I've tried the co-op, this is what I think of it, I've tried the arcade modes, this is what I think of it, I've finished the campaign, this is what I think of it, right? Um, it's similar to, like, I forget what episode we talked about it on, but we talked about, oh, we talked about it on on the episode about game reviews, Right. And sort of what we concluded was you can review a game once you've exposed yourself to all the different parts of the game right if you know the combat mechanics if you know the, the whatever inventory systems whatever it is right granted yeah I mean like you look at a game like God of War you can't I don't think you can justify reviewing that game without getting to the conclusion of the story but if we look at a lot of the early access games they're shooters they're battle royale games right so you don't have a conclusive story where you can finish and say, that was the base game. That was the base experience that they wanted me to have. Um, because every experience in a Battle Royale game or a shooter can be wildly different from the last. So yeah, I mean, if we look at that, I guess the one of the latest Battle Royale games, Radical Heights, right? Like I saw a bunch of reviews when that game first sort of dropped and people were getting visibility on Twitch with it. I saw a bunch of reviews that were like, this game has no music and when you walk, there's no sounds of your footsteps like a five out of 10 and it's like well yeah why are you taking that at face value like that's a game that's not finished clearly so i i I don't know i i do think that the label review just can't be thrown around as much as it is i think review in progress is like a good sort of band-aid solution for for now i guess
1: i would i would agree with that because at, at the beginning of this i was definitely against review being associated with it at all but that that you make a really good point about slapping like a review in progress on it and just keeping it updated.
2: I'm pretty sure that Kotako uses review in progress to be like like they would use it for God of War and like the reviewer is halfway through the game, and they're just
0: gonna write down all their initial thoughts. Yeah, and it's like it's like a day into the right. release, you know, because right. they want to yeah. be the fr- and and honestly, that's a big part of it. There's it's marketing. There's, yeah, it's marketing. It's clicks. Right. It's impressions. So. A lot of people, when they look up a review, they don't read any of the fucking text. They scroll down to the bottom and they want to see how many stars or they want to see the verdict or they want to see the conclusion. That's why we will only be doing number reviews from now on on a (laughs) one to 50 scale. And so I think a lot of publications put review in the title in the headline and slap some kind of rating on it just so exactly for clicks, you know? And like, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of journalists or or game reviewers or writers at those publications that don't agree with that practice at all, but they understand they want to drive impressions. So yeah, I don't know. I I think some of it can be kind of smoke and mirrors about driving people to your website and your content, which is unfortunate because I am HO. Early access games just can't be reviewed, you know? Now, what
2: about... Okay, not to talk more about Battle Royale games because I hate them, but (laughs) uh, Fortnite is early access but it is free to play and you can purchase cosmetics and that is what you spend money on right like okay i guess my point is is that should i be paying anything for an early access game and is that what an early access review of a game is helping me do decide whether or not i should be paying money for this when it's in early access
0: well let me ask you this once for well two questions i want to ask then sure one why is it an early access game yeah, I'm not saying you have I, the answer. I have
2: no idea because right. they had fame that was, like, crazy after streamers started playing it, and they had to siphon off developers from their other game, Paragon, which now they shut down. They literally shut that game down and moved the developers over to Fortnite. Right. And it's a, so, a secondary—Battle Royale is a secondary mode. Like, their base game was something else. It was, like, fight against zombies and build yeah. shit. It
0: was, like, save, save the world mode.
2: Yeah, and Battle Royale was just a the thing. They were like, "Oh, let's try it," because PUBG is so
0: successful. Right. So then, my follow up question would yeah. be: When early access is over and they feel like they have a conclusive experience, a definitive experience, are they going to start charging full price for that game? I have no idea. Why would they? Why would they even ever release the
2: game if people are just right. spending money on on? They clothing. do
1: charge for the other parts of the game. The only part that's free is the Battle Royale mode. Right. The other parts of that game do cost money.
2: That's hilarious. But why would anyone even want to pay any money for the other parts if they're just going to play the Battle Royale?
1: That's. I mean, no, that's a good question. But like, it, it, to answer what, what Manny had asked earlier yeah. where he said, you know, why would you have an early access game? Like, Why are you doing it? And I think one of the main reasons is to try to generate eyes for additional funding so that way they can do more they can actually keep adding to the game and keep it as that you know game as a service which is like you said it's kind of the name of the game right now it's developers constantly trying to figure out what's next what what else can we add to our game here to keep our players invested i mean look at how gta does it we've talked tons about how they handle their online you know you say what you will about the, the pace of the servers and everything but you can't you can never deny the amount of content that they've given for free um And so you have a lot of companies who aren't as big as Rockstar. So you have these companies who are trying to get eyes to their product and get additional funding. So a lot of them might use, like, Kickstarters or GoFundMes, and that's where the early access comes into play. Like, give us your feedback. And that's why, like, I know we talked about how we don't think they should be labeled reviews, but we all agree that articles on these games are completely necessary. You know, what you label them as is what you label them as, but you need the feedback, and that's another main reason why these games go to early access, is because they want to see what the main publications are saying about their game, because they want that feedback to try to figure out how can we make this game better. As of course, as long as they are a good developer, some developers might just be like, "Eh, how can we squeeze as much money out of this game?"
0: So I'm I I want to read from this. This is um, and this is not to bash on Polygon and say that they have a stupid practice or anything. But this is coming directly from Polygon. Um, it is their early access reviews policy. So oh, it interesting. says, Why review early access games? Uh, we will review early access games for largely the same reasons we review uh, retail or, quote, shipped software. Polygon seeks to offer clear opinions on relevant games in a way that helps our audience navigate the vast entertainment options before them at any given time. And then the next headline says, why do you think you can review early access games? And it says early access has become a catch all term for games that are not in a quote shipping final state, but are nonetheless being sold to consumers often at final or near final cost. It is Polygon's position that any title being sold to customers, being sold to customers may be evaluated within the context of a review. So Polygon's opinion, Polygon's policy is if you pay for it, we think it can be reviewed and we will review it. You know, coming into this discussion, I'm, like, 50-50 on early
2: access because there's, like, indie developers and things like that. And, like, whenever that's the case, I'm, like, totally behind it, It, you know, to help an indie developer. They need funds. They're super small, but they're making a cool game. Let's let's go for it. But that argument, just saying that developers offering a game not in its shipped state but you're paying money for it like in what can you think this is a genuine question can you think of another industry in which a product is shipped in its not final state and you, but you're paying money for
0: it
1: uh the automobile industry big fan of just unfinished cars <laughs> i hope that it makes it I, the bought lot. A, I bought an early
0: access <laughs> car it had one of the wheels Eight out of ten would drive this car again.
2: Like, and when you when you actually frame it like that, then the yeah, whole thing becomes absurd. Like, right, What but are at, we at the doing? Same,
0: but at the same time, it's not apples to apples, right? Like the video game video game as a product is completely different than the way we consume even movies, which I think is one of the closest media pieces of media. <laughs> Could you imagine
1: old. an early access Infinity War? <laughs> 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 it just it just ends halfway through. You're like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you paid full ticket price um (laughs) yeah
1: which is absurdly expensive these days so i want to
0: read a little bit more of this um but i do want
2: i think that's a good thing for our listeners to think about and maybe call in about like that question specifically yeah because it's kind of absurd it's kind of it is
0: absurd it is absurd however i will play devil's advocate that video games are consumed in a completely different way than like yeah. Any other See that's the media. thing is
1: I think early access is good as long as they're not charging like full price for it or if they do what Fortnite does and is like we'll give you this for free and you know go from there. Because I I have heard of people who went with the Fortnite Battle Royale and then they did purchase the rest of the game and they enjoyed the other mode. Yeah.
0: Oh well, another thing I wanted to touch on was on this Polygon uh early access policy page. Uh it says early access reviews will have scores. A score underlines the conclusions our reviews emphasize. Scores on Polygon can be updated over time, which allows us to take into consideration a game's evolution, improvement, or developers' failure to properly support that game. But I guess my question is like...
2: Well, I'm pretty sure Destiny 2 still has a 9 on Polygon, which is
0: ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And that, for me, begs the question: like, can't that be said for every single game? I mean, we look at For Honor, or we look at games that are shipped and concluded, right, and yeah. finished. If it's a games as, if it's a game as a service, if you look at things like Far Cry or Ghost Recon Wildlands or Rainbow Six Siege, right, like
1: or any other Ubisoft or game.
0: any other Ubisoft <laughs> game, like, can't those games be reviewed over time, and can't those reviews be amended based on how that, how that, how that developers, either supporting that game or failing to do so. I just think there's so much gray area. And again, this isn't to, to shit on Polygon at all. It's just an interesting, it's this interesting game. And it's clear that publications like Polygon, and I'm sure a handful of others, are trying. They're trying to develop policies around how to treat these early access games. But, and not to any one publication's fault. I just, I don't know if these policies hit the, hit the mark. Um, I'm trying to find, yeah, Destiny 2 does still have a 9 out of 10. And it's not updated. It said the, the policy, the early access policy says, we will be diligent about updating our reviews to early access titles in an effort. Although I guess Destiny 2 wasn't considered early access. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. The, again, this was this conversation was never meant to produce a conclusion just because I don't think there is one. Yeah. Um, I think we need to have a defined bucket where we can put early access titles in. And I think we need to have a defined definition of what is an early access title as opposed to a game as a service and i always use ghost recon wildlands as an example right i think only then once we have a clear definition of what an early access title is an early access release is then we can identify how to review it but if we just say an early access game is a game that's still being worked on and it's not being you're not being charged full price for it i don't think that's a clear enough definition so i think before i even get to the review section I need to have I need to have a better understanding of what early access titles are, and the community as a whole does too. For sure, I think what I, at least what I'd like to make clear um, right before we move on is that I don't think any of us any of us are okay with paying for broken things, right? I don't think we should normalize paying for broken things, um, for a broken product, but I think there is a space for paying a little bit less for an experience that you are clear on from the beginning i'm okay with day one patches i'm okay with bigger studios completely funded studios that are generating a lot of revenue to release games and say oh we're patching these things that we weren't aware of right and i'm okay with smaller studios being like this is a game that we're working on we want to hear your feedback we want you to be a part of this and then paying a little bit less for that i'm fine with that but i do want to make clear that we're not into paying for paying for broken shit um so yeah what do you guys think about early access games give us a call share your thoughts what early access games are you playing if you're into fortnite if you're into pubg and you have a strong opinion about these things we definitely want to hear from you because um i don't think early access games are going to be going anywhere anytime soon and, and we're just going to have to keep sort of dealing with them in reviews and in streams and all that so let us know we'd love to hear from you so with that let's move on to patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. And this is Patch Notes 5.03.18. I'll go first. Uh, My Patch Notes is coming from Forbes. Paul Tassi reports that God of War sells 3.1 million copies in three days, making it PS4's fastest-selling exclusive. That's crazy. Kratos may be old, but he and his franchise are very far from dead. In the wake of a flood of rave reviews, God of War has sold an astonishing amount of copies that launch—3.1 3.1 million in just three days, according to a new Sony blog post. It makes it the fastest selling PS4 exclusives of this generation, besting the likes of Uncharted 4, which for the record is 2.7 million in a week. In a week, not in three days. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, 2.6 million in two weeks, and The Last of Us at 3.4 million in three weeks on PS3. Uh, so the margin is absolutely massive i can't say i'm surprised i want to see what the life cycle of god of war looks like i wouldn't be surprised if it does become playstation's highest selling exclusive by country mile it's very good i think steve would agree i would love to spoil it for matt but for some reason he doesn't want to hear it because he's secretly plotting to become a playstation boy
1: on on that note cuz you mentioned the disparity between the other games and how long it took them to sell, you know, close to that amount. It is tough because I know The Last of Us and Horizon are both new IPs, so it takes a lot of like, all right, let's convince all these people to jump on this ship. Whereas Uncharted 4, that's that's pretty big because Uncharted 3, I believe came out in 2011. Yeah, 2011. So Uncharted 4, you know, multiple years later. And it was basically looked at as, like, Nathan Drake's swan song. So the fact that it took a week and it still didn't sell what God of War sold in three days is pretty impressive. Yeah,
0: it had a really established legacy.
1: Yeah, but, like, that's the thing is God of War did two. And I think everyone was really interested in seeing how they were going to change it. I think that really helped them. It's like, all right, we know Kratos, but what's this new Kratos? And I feel
0: like it didn't – I feel like um, Sony Santa Monica didn't even push marketing that hard. They didn't didn't go over the top with their – trailers and gameplay and so it's pretty interesting that they kind of like obviously not out of the blue because we knew this game was coming out but it's it's interesting that they with not a lot of context about how the game would be experienced just blew the doors off of every other exclusive it's crazy so yeah god of war very good game go buy playstation and play that game right now so who's next matt what do you got for patch notes so for my
2: patch notes i have patch notes for overwatch brigida is finally getting a small nerf after weeks of being overpowered and ruining my enjoyment of the game i love <laughs> what i love brigida
1: you yeah we have. met her she was really oh nice. that's
2: true you met real brigida yeah they're altering the cone angle of shield bash so it will uh, not hit players that it shouldn't be hitting basically that the hitbox is being reduced for that ability hopefully they'll add in some other things okay. uh i'm a big lucio fan so they've uh actually changed some of his wall riding mechanics uh, which is looking like a buff he can go around corners which is interesting oh nice you can land back on the same wall after leaping away which is also pretty cool, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yes which I, so i like that a lot and then hanzo's new kit is live as well so his scatter shot which is the pinnacle of random luck in a competitive video game has, has been i'm gonna <laughs> shoot this down a hallway <laughs> and somehow get a triple kill and, get, and
0: play of the game
2: yeah has been replaced with a uh, it's called Stormbow, and basically it just increases your projectile speed so you go like pew
1: pew 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 pew
2: and now he has a double jump ability called Lunge. So looking forward to Hanzo becoming a skill-based character for a skill-based competitive game, which seems like that would make sense. And then there's going to be a new map coming out too, which is based on oh, a yeah. special Rialto? event. Yes, it is called Rialto. Um, and so that will be cool that we get to play on that map because the that map that they made for the special event was really good. The map in Italy was very, very yeah. good. So I'm I glad like that we'll lot. have a... Uh, a
0: map made out of it for regular I didn't, play i didn't play enough of of retribution um I, wish I, I, did.
2: I had fun with it uh and i thought it was by far one of their i'd say top
0: top two special events uh nice and uh steve what do you got for us
1: uh red dead redemption 2 trailer number three dropped wednesday and it was fantastic uh we got confirmation of a lot of the old characters from the original red dead redemption turning including everybody's favorite disgruntled cowboy trying to go on the straight path after leading a life of sin john marston he makes an appearance with his freshly scarred and stitched face That's mean scars but then we also saw um, through scenes you can see javier escuela you could see bill williamson dutch of course um, and then we also saw uncle who shows up at the end of red dead redemption who lives on the ranch with john And then we saw a new character, Sadie, along with a couple other women characters um, who were in Dutch's gang, which is definitely a first. And as we've talked about before with the GTA 5 and the way the campaign worked, where you played as three different people, I'm imagining you're going to play as multiple different characters. Everyone right now is focused on the protagonist, Arthur Morgan. I still think there's going to be opportunity to play as different characters. I think it'd be really cool um, if you could play, especially as Sadie. She looked awesome in the trailer. I think there was like one scene where she was just like ripping apart like... uh, it might have been like a cow or something. But she she was clearly capable of the wild Western times. And so I want to try to dabble in um, these different characters because my hope has always been that we can play as John Marson. So like when you see all these different ones, you're hoping that like, all right, cool. Uh, but then we also saw Edgar Ross, um, who was the FBI agent from the first one, who was uh, strong-arming John the entire time. Um, so it's cool that this, this takes place in 1899, whereas Red Dead Redemption took place in 1911. So you got like, you know, 11 years uh, or 12 years beforehand. But there's familiar scenes. It starts off at Blackwater, and then there's a scene where Dutch is with his crew, and it's substantially less than one of the earlier scenes in the trailer. And they're in the Blackwater, like cold, like it's in the snow. So some shit's about to go down. I will say I saw like some people complaining on Twitter that like they're afraid because of like GTA five that there's not gonna be a focus on single player and everyone's just gonna focus on multiplayer on this. It's like in what way from their past with Red Dead Redemption and their marketing of this game makes you think they're not a hundred percent focused on the single player campaign.
0: I don't think that should be a concern, especially for somebody like Rockstar. I was watching this video, I forget where it was, but I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. It was basically like Some things you might have missed in the Red Dead Redemption Two trailer that just came out, and one of them, uh, there's a scene towards the end where like there's like fire in this room and somebody's crawling, and there's just a banana on the floor, and it was like interesting (laughs) fact: bananas didn't start shipping worldwide until 1898, and so like their like interesting thing was like
1: everybody in Red Dead Redemption Two thinks bananas are a new thing. (laughs) That's awesome. I really hope bananas become a key mechanic in the game. Like, gotta get your potassium yeah, levels yeah. up. <laughs> Just like sea of themes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fantastic.
0: Well that was patch notes five point zero three point eighteen, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. So before we close it out, let's have some community highlights. This week's community shout-out is our Discord friend Blue Electron. He's great. He plays Overwatch with us. He hangs out on our Discord, which you should join. Uh, overall, great guy, really friendly. He also, I think, like he's probably one of the people that posts the funniest pictures on our uh, <laughs> yeah. on our pictures channel. Yeah, he posts true. some gems and out of the blue too, which I really appreciate. So, thank you for being part of our community, Blue Electron. You're rad, and we appreciate everything you do. So,
1: finally, after a couple of weeks off of uh, not having voicemails because we just straight up talk too long on the podcast, which you know it happens sometimes. We're passionate folks we actually have a new voicemail to play. So it's from our good friend and longtime listener, Reese. He's called in again and he has some real words of wisdom for us. I think we should really heed what he has to say today.
2: Hey, Ombro, this is Reese giving a call and I'm just calling uh, to follow up on the, on the episode that Matt mentions that he's playing destiny too. And I was wondering if next episode you guys could talk about good game.
1: All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reese, To answer your question, next episode is actually the Destiny Bonanza, and we're going to have a full discussion on Destiny 1. We're going to talk a little bit about the Taken King, and then we're going to move right seamlessly into Destiny 2. And then we're actually
0: going to speculate about Destiny 3 and the new loot boxes. Then we're going straight into
2: a 24-hour stream of us playing all the content in Destiny 2, but there's so little we'll basically just play the base game you know, five times in a row.
0: Well, it's funny because, like, he listened to the last episode that we talked about Destiny 2 a lot and then called in and was like, can you not talk about Destiny? And we talked about Destiny this episode. So, sorry. But thanks for calling in. And if you want to call in and share your thoughts, just like Reese did, you're more than welcome to as long as you're not racist. And that number is 347-509-5620. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 27 of the Omber Gaming Podcast. We'd like to thank you very much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, head over to wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pippa, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, find us there. Even omergaming.com slash listen and give us a rating. Throw us a couple stars. Leave a comment. Whatever you'd like. It goes a long way. And if you feel so compelled, tell your friends. We would appreciate it very, very much. So with that folks, As always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you very soon.
2: Uh, I will assign Stephen or Manny the food item, queso or salsa and I will state the name of a food. They have to defend why queso or salsa would be better paired with that food. Whoever's reasoning is better wins. For this first food, Manny, you will be queso, and Steven, you will be salsa.
0: The food
2: is hot dog.
0: Can I also just point out that, like, uh, like putting cheese on a hot dog is already a thing? <laughs> the first food is... A Totino's Pizza Roll. There's cheese in a Totino's Pizza
2: Roll, Matt. This game sucks. (laughs) Yup.